0: uh when i went to california this this last week for a bible conference uh, i decided to be sick while i was out there so i feel fine now but as you know after a cold like a couple of days later your voice is still coming back so we're going to see what happens with that which tr- hopefully uh hold on hold on through this uh in in doing that but that's that's the way traveling always has to work out right um Though I, where I'm in Matthew 26, I do want you to have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Because a lot of what we're going to look at is there. Now, if, you, if you've if you grown up in the pews, you know that passage and is frequently used as talking about how to partake of the Lord's Supper. But one of the things that I would like for you to consider about 1 Corinthians 11 is that the vast majority of that text is describing to those Christians how they are partaking in a wrong way. So much of what he has to tell them is, here are all the things that you're doing wrong. And then in the middle of it, he's like, now here's what was delivered to me. This is what it's supposed to look like. But in front of it and after that, he's telling them, you've made a mess of it and, and you're doing it improperly and I think that's an important point for us to start with and thinking about is that there is a wrong way to take the Lord's Supper, that the Lord's Supper is not something that is haphazard or something that, you know, we're just a ritual or you just need to do it and get it over with and moving right along, but clearly it had such an importance that the Apostle Paul has to spend a significant portion writing to these Christians and telling them, here's ultimately what you are doing wrong. And so we're going to talk about that and the seriousness of it in 1 Corinthians 11. He describes in verse 27, he says, you're partaking in such a way that you are making yourselves guilty. And in verse verse 29, he says, you're bringing judgment on yourself. So we're going to talk about what that looks like now. On the Sunday nights, we've been doing the blood of the covenant. And our final lesson tonight on that is going to be talking about how you can be unworthy of the blood of the covenant. And if you've wanted to know about what this unworthy manner business is that's going on here in here in 1 Corinthians 11, that's tonight. So if you're going to be like, why didn't you talk about that? Well, because in six hours, we're going to talk about that. And we'll be looking at that tonight. But I want to focus on the two things that... The Apostle Paul observes that they're doing wrong so that we can, from Matthew 26, make sure that we are remembering our Lord in the way that he wants us to. The first thing that you'll observe in in the problems that are existing there in the Corinthian church in regards to the Lord's Supper is that they have the wrong purpose. You have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to notice what he says in verse 20. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20. He says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Uh, That's such an interesting way that he says that. There's a problem. And and the rhetorical nature of it is this should be the Lord's Supper, but that's not what's going on. And so you'd ask the question, well, what's going on then? What are they doing? If you're not partaking of the Lord's Supper, what exactly is happening? Well, notice verse 21 Uh, He says, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. What is curious is that as you read this letter, you're seeing that what they had done with the Lord's Supper is they had turned this into what appears to be a common meal. And, And you get the sense of that in two different ways. You'll notice in verse 22, he says, Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? He says meals should be left at home. Coming here and using the Lord's Supper was not intended to be your lunchtime. He says, don't you have homes? That's where you should be keeping that. In fact, notice in verse 34, at the end of this, his instruction is, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Not if anyone is hungry, don't worry. When you get here, we'll, we'll have a smorgasbord and it'll all be ready for you. And we'll just be able to have a good old time. He says, if you're hungry, take care of that before you come. That that's supposed to be something that's left there. But apparently what has gone on in the Corinthian church is they have taken this time that was supposed to be the Lord's Supper, remembering The death of Jesus in the bread that we talked about last week and remembering in the cup, the blood of the covenant, the effect of that sacrifice. And he says, here's what you're supposed to be remembering, but instead it's just turned into a meal. Now, I want us to think about this for a minute. Why? Why does that matter? I think this is an important thing for us to think about. Why does it matter? What, what is the big deal? Why don't we just do that? Why is Paul in such a tizzy about this? Why does it have to be a whole section from verse 17 all the way to the end of the chapter? What is the big deal? Why does, does this matter? And I want to talk about the, where sometimes the finger gets pointed that I think is the wrong way to look at this. Sometimes the argument will be made when it says, well, don't you have homes to eat? in?" that the problem is, well, there just shouldn't be food on the property. You know, we just shouldn't have any kind of food in the building or on the property. And that's the problem. And that's ultimately what he's talking about. And I don't think that's his concern. And I appreciate that some read this and try to be very uh, Thoughtful with what it's saying, and think, okay, well, you know, when we come here, I, we shouldn't even eat a lunch. Don't even have it on the on the porch, even if it's a work day. You know, nobody eat here, kind of thing like that. Um, I know people who like like the preacher who works at the building, and he doesn't even eat his lunch at the building because it's the building. He's not talking about that. There's something about the concrete structure in which we are in that is sacred and defies that there should be any kind of food in here. That's not the idea and not the point that he's getting at. But I want us to think about what point he is observing here is that you are taking a time that is supposed to be set aside for the spiritual and the sacred. The death and resurrection of Jesus And all of its importance and all of its meaning and all of its effect. And you're focusing on the common and the physical. That is the issue that's at stake. Is here is this time when you're supposed to be focused on Jesus and what he did. And now everybody's coming and we're going, hey, you know, you got something good to eat? Oh, that looks great. You know, "Mm, that looks tasty. Oh, pizza, great, fantastic. You know, turning it into the common, turning what is supposed to be a spiritual time of focus and reflection on Christ and turning it into simply the physical. And I want us just to I'm going to settle on this point for a minute and talk about it for a minute. We have so much time in our days and in our weeks that we dedicate to the common and the physical. We have gobs and gobs of hours in a week that are dedicated to physical, common, normal, natural, everyday things that we have to do. And here we are, just for a moment, Trying to move past the physical and lift our spirits up and focus on the heavenly spiritual things. And he says, but then what they've done is they've wrecked the moment and moved it right back to the physical. There's this, this small window of time of all of our hours in a week where we can really zero in on Christ. And he goes, and you took the memorial and you made it a dinner. You just made it common. And if you're here tonight, hold that idea of common in your mind. That's the big problem. You just turned it into the physical. You turned it into something that's basic. And I think this is what ultimately what Paul is dealing with these, with these Christians, is you have a home for the things that are the physical. You have a home for the things that are the common. You have a home for the food. But can this be a time and this be a place? where we're going to move beyond the common and move beyond the physical and try to really engage our spirits and try to move ourselves closer to God in this memorial. That, that's not what they were doing. And that is his, his, I believe, his his primary concern. And I think sometimes what happens is it's not about the building. It's not about the property. And sometimes it be like, well, it's It's not, what about if we just bring the food and the church doesn't pay for it? And that that will make it all better as well. But I want you to notice in the text, they're all bringing their own food. That's part of their problem. It talks about some, they're having having all kinds of food and some people are coming. They're not bringing a whole lot of anything and it's a whole uh, problem that's going on as You know, one person's over there and he's got the five course meal going on. The other person there's been hungry for a week and there's all these divisions that are going on is what he describes in this paragraph. And so, again, the issue is not like, well, who, where does the money come from and who's paying for it? And and important side point, but important point. Yes, the, the church doesn't have authority for us to all go buy dinner. That's, that's not what the, the money is supposed to be used for. Is to take the things of God and put it back into the common. That's not the idea either. But just because we would say, well, we brought it, that doesn't make it any better either because the problem is you are taking something that is supposed to be a spiritual focus and it is being quickly moved into something that is physical, you know, one of the reasons, there's, there might be a lot of reasons, but you know, one of the reasons, you know, we don't ask you guys, hey, when you, who wants to take turns having hot coffee and donuts out there in the foyer when you come in so that y'all can come in here and, you know, we can all just be throwing back coffee and eating donuts and, You know, and it'd just be great, right? And we can just have a good old time and we would watch the powder off the donuts fly everywhere, and we'd just be great, you know, just we'll just have it sitting out there. The church isn't paying for it, you know. We we'll all just bring it. And friends, the issue is we are already far too distracted with the physical. We are always so frequently distracted by the physical. That we don't need more time focusing on the physical. We don't get that much time trying to focus on the spiritual. And so often, when we have those windows of time where we're trying to focus on the spiritual, we often distract it with more physical things. And it's so easy to do. If I can say it another way, this isn't a movie theater, Uh, this isn't a restaurant. This isn't about, well, let's just come in here and chug and sit back and enjoy our time. But a time for you to try to put the physical away and lean into God. There's a reason why, I think I even heard it in a prayer today. There's a reason why so many times do we not come together and we sometimes pray. You know, let's let's help us get the physical out of our minds right now. Because it is such a difficulty. Because it can be such a distraction. It's hard enough when it's like, okay, somebody's touching me. Okay, a kid's crying. Okay, it's warm outside. We have all of these things that are constantly going on in our minds. And I think what Paul is trying to get them to see is you need to have this as a time. Have this as a moment when you are focused on nothing else but on Christ. And you're focusing on his death and you're focusing on the effect of his death and what that means to you. I mean, you know, have some of you been to um, the tomb of the unknown soldier? And there's like super solemnity there, right? And of course, you just go walking in with your Diet Coke and and hamburger, right? You just go walk up and check it all out. They will yell at you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they will absolutely, you know, I mean, have you been there when somebody started talking? Like they like answer their phone. Start, and the soldiers will stop. And they will call that guy out. And they'll be like, sir, this is a time when it's supposed to be respectful. And it's like, whoa. I was there to watch that happen one time. I'm like, well, that wasn't me. <laughs> what are they trying to do? But they're asking you just for a moment. Could you just for a moment set those things aside and just take a minute and appreciate what the memorials about? That, that's what they're doing right there. Is just just could you for a minute? You've got all you can. You can chug that diet coke in a minute, but could you just stop for a minute? That, that's what's happening here. Is. Here you are coming for worship. Here you are trying to come into the spiritual. Here you are trying to zero in on the things of God. And they don't want to do it. They want it to be all about the physical. They all want to be about the common. And I think it's just important for us that we just think about how often we allow our times that we set aside to be spiritual to be swallowed up by the physical. To me, that is one of the biggest ideas of what Paul would be dealing with. And I think that's true outside the borders or the walls of of a building. But that we would, when we are spending time together and our goal and our focus and our purpose is supposed to be spiritual, that we do everything we can to hold it in that arena. And I'll give you an example of that. I've, I've been to far too many, far too many gatherings where I've seen the focus turn to the physical and it loses the spiritual. Where the concern is making announcements like, man, we're going to have a great barbecue. Yeah, it's not about that we're going to get together and study the Word of God. It's we're going to have some really great food. Like, well, why? Why are we moving it away? from? We, we, we've got time for that. We've got places for that. Don't we have this uh, uh, too little time as it is for the spiritual? Can't we have a little bit more time for that? When When I was... I um, oh, need a drink of water. Hold on. <coughs> When I was in the training program before I came here, we had neighborhood Bible studies. And because of the location, the time, and how far people had to drive, um, we'd have, a, have the Bible study. And some good-natured people with right motivation rightly would bring some snacks for everybody to have afterward. It was great. No problem. Have some snacks. We were in somebody's house. No problem. Great. Fine, fine, no big deal. But it was really interesting what started to happen. And I just it was fly on the wall, me watching this. I'm the Bible teacher, I'm watching it happen. And then after a few classes, what happened was then in the middle of the class a couple of people would get up and they'd go turn the oven on. And then they come back and sit back down. And then they like through started cooking stuff in the oven, and then the timer is going off, and then Okay, well, we got to get it out. And then people are like, well, you know, now it's getting cold out there, you know, and we just pulled it out of the oven. And all of a sudden, what was supposed to be an hour Bible class with an incidental of, hey, well, we're hanging out afterward. We can, you know, eat some cookies and whatever turned into, well, we don't really care about the Bible class. Everybody is popping up and down to go get the oven and go get the food and pull stuff out of the fridge and make sure that's not burned. And the spiritual got swallowed up by the physical. And it was totally unintentional. Nobody sat down and be like, "I hate this Bible class. We just want to eat food here." But it happened because that's what we do. We are so distracted by the physical that we so easily allow the spiritual to get swallowed up by it. And you can't sit there and go, "Oh, there's something wrong with having bread." Something wrong with having the brownies? What's wrong is that it was supposed to be about focusing on God for a little while. And it got lost. And that's the issue here. Is we have such a tendency to take what should be devoted to the holy and the sacred and the spiritual. And we can lose it. And we turn it into the physical. And we turn it into distraction. And we turn it into about us which is where he goes with it. That's the second problem that he talks about. I want you to notice the second problem as he observes it here is you'll notice it's not only that they have the wrong purpose, that they've turned this into a common meal, but you'll notice that it says there that they're taking this as really like a, an individual act. Verse, verse 21. <clears throat> he says in verse 21, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal one goes hungry and another gets drunk. One of the things that is really interesting is he starts saying, and so you're not doing the Lord's Supper right, is that you've just turned this into commonality in food. And then the second thing is you weren't even doing it together. In fact, you'll notice the instruction at the end again in verse 33, he says, so when you come together to eat, wait for one another. That it was supposed to be something to do together. In fact, one of the things that has always struck me about this passage is there is a repetition of the phrase, when you come together. Five times in this paragraph. Five times. And what I want you to see is in him saying that, there is a point that is being made that this is not an individual act. This is not when, he could have said five times, when you individual partake. He doesn't do that. Five times he says, when you come together. That this is something that is to be done as an act of togetherness. Now, let me put a caveat on that as well, because this often gets things turned the other direction as well. The Lord's Supper is not a sacrament administered by the church. That's not what Paul is talking about here. It's not like, okay, well, the only place that can happen is in a church building and it's dispensed by. No, that's not what he's saying here at all. But I do want you to see that he is describing that this is something that is supposed to be a joint participation that this is supposed to be a fellowship, that this is something that is to be done together. And you can see that in a few places. In the prior chapter, back in in chapter 10, he repeatedly describes it as a participation, depending upon your translation. It's the same word as fellowship. It's that koinonia, fellowship, togetherness, uh, participation word. And he's describing this activity of them partaking in the cup and describes it as a participation. And then he makes this point in verse 17. And we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. There is something that is being signified in our togetherness in this. That he didn't intend for everybody to just stay home. Take a piece of bread and take, take, take a drink but that this was something that would be an act of togetherness. You see that in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 as well, when he describes them coming together to be able to partake, that there is this act of togetherness. Now, here is the, the, the second big thing that I think is important about this, is that what Paul is zeroing in on is that they had missed the we in the Lord's Supper. They were focused on me. They were coming in and it was all about them. This was all that they could think about, you know, it was their food and their time and they weren't waiting for anybody and they didn't care about what anybody else had or what was going on. They just came and it was just about themselves, which our theme this year that I haven't really specifically said to you all yet, because we're finishing the theme from the last couple of years about the journey of Christ. But it is hanging on the wall back there as you go out. We, not me. And we're going to see that a lot this year in our studies. And this is one of those places where the Apostle Paul is is writing to them and saying to them, this is about us being together and worshiping together and remembering Christ together in this spiritual fellowship as we draw ourselves closer to God. All right. So three things, and then maybe my voice will be done, and I'll have to stop, so it won't matter. <clears throat> Number one, one of the things you're going to hear me say a lot this year, and I'm not going to be apologetic to it. You know, I'm just, I'm just not. I'm just going to say it a lot to you this year. Okay, I already said it last week. I'm going to say it again today. I'm going to say it a lot. Worship is not supposed to be consumer-driven. We have, I think, such a struggle with this that we often want to turn worship into what I think about it, how it affects me. Um, maybe sometimes your, your drive home goes something like this. Yeah, I didn't really like the songs. You know, they're just kind of not, you know, not my, my vibe, you know, didn't really... You know the sermon this week. Yeah, you know, four out of ten. You know, just, you know you see he's done better. You know, uh, you know the Lord's Supper talk kind of long. Yeah, you know. we, we, we we what we do is we get done with worship and we pull out the the grading card. You know, yeah, I really like. Oh, that was really thoughtful. That was really cool. That was really. Yeah, I've heard that one before. That's a repeat. You know, we 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 go through things like that. And what we do is we don't evaluate worship on how we are drawing closer to God, we evaluate worship on, well, how, how did that affect me? You know, well, the, that, that song, that, uh, yeah, yeah. that one was upbeat. I like that one. Oh, that one was slow. You know, I'm not really a fan of those, you know, near my God to these, really slow song. I'm not really a fan of, when I was a kid, I was like that. I remember as a kid, like, oh, those slow songs. Well, give me a, I want the two-pagers. Give me the two-page fast songs. You know, that's what I want to do, because that's how it affects me. And that's not how we're supposed to look at it. Worship's not supposed to be consumer driven. And yet there is a real danger when it comes to our worship that that's what we think about. We think about evaluating teachings and sermons and songs and the supper. Not whether all these things were accurate. Not whether if God was pleased. But if I liked it. If it touched me somehow. Not if it touched anybody else, just me. And we cannot think about worship, we cannot think about church as consumer-driven. That is one of, I think, one of, I don't have time, but one of, one of, the biggest things you see in the religious world is let's take a pull of everything you want and then we'll just offer it to you you guys like yoga let's do that we'll schedule that at 11:30. we'll do, you know what else do you guys like Donuts great 11:45 we just what do you want we'll just give it to you that's not why we're here We're not a store this is supposed to be worship it's about what God wants and so often we come in and it's like what it is all about me? Being- What am I going to get? Which leads to my second point, which is very close to the same point, but you can see I'm very adamant about this. Discipleship is not a solo project. I think what too often happens is we look at worship and we think about what do I need to get out of it? So, well, I need the Lord's Supper today, but, you know, looks like Brent's a little cranky. I'll leave at 11, right? And get what I want and get out, you know? Well, I don't really want to engage with anybody, so I'll leave. I'll get here five minutes late and leave five minutes early because I don't need these people, but I do got to get my five acts of worship in. We, We do this. We do this like... What can I get out of it? What do I need for the moment? Let me get it and let me get out of there. You know, it'll be unscathed and I've, you know, I've got my stuff. You know, it's, it's like, how fast can you get into a McDonald's and you know, you know, let me get out? And we do that with worship as if we can just simply look at it as, okay, what do I need? And so we'll like evaluate tonight. Do I need tonight? No, I don't need tonight. Okay, then will be there tonight. Do, Bible study at somebody's house? I don't need that. Why would I do that? That sounds tough. That sounds hard. I'm tired. I don't need that, so I don't go to it. We evaluate it as if discipleship is a solo project. What do I need to go to heaven? And whatever I think I need, that's what I'll commit to. And if I don't think I need that, then never mind. And what I want you to see what Paul is doing in this whole paragraph is trying to get them to understand you're part of something bigger. The reason they had fouled up the Lord's Supper so bad is that they didn't understand that they were part of something bigger. They just didn't get it in that way. Instead of understanding that they were supposed to be joined and tied together and they weren't supposed to be thinking just about me or making the evaluation based on what I need. They were supposed to be evaluating. It's not right English, but I'm going to do it. On we. Us. That's supposed to be the evaluation. Us. What do we need? Because we're a body. That's why Paul uses such humor. Does your finger ever say, you know, I just don't think I need to be part of the body this week. I'm going to hang out over here. You let me know when you need me. Pick me up later. But we do that with each other. Uh, You know, I'm good. You know, got, got my shot in the arm. Ready to go for the week. Don't need you guys. See you next week. It's not supposed to be a solo project. It's not supposed to be consumer driven. But we were supposed to see that we're something bigger than us that we're a part of. Can I challenge us that I believe we would make vastly different decisions. Regarding our discipleship and regarding our worship, if we thought about how things affected us and not me, how many divisions would not have happened if the thoughts were about us and not me? How many problems of strife would have gone away if it was simply a thought process of us, not me? All of our problems as we try to operate as the body of Christ come from me, not thinking about us. And that's always, always the issue. That's what he's getting in there when he starts talking. I don't have time to break all that down, but he's like, you guys have divisions. How do you have divisions during the Lord's Supper? How can you do that? This this spiritual moment about Jesus and you can't even get along on that and you can't even do that together and you can't think about each other about that. How are you even doing that? And that's what he's laying into them about and trying to get them to understand. Friends, to be a Christian means by definition, you are a part of something bigger than you. Over and over again, the scriptures tell you, when you came to Christ, you were added to something. You started belonging to something. You were a part of something bigger. You are part of a new family. You are part of the universal church of God now. And it's almost like we think, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be all by myself in the corner, you know, doing what I want to do, hanging out over there as if there's no we whatsoever. It's just you and your mansion over there. part of something bigger and they were condemned because they didn't see the we in what they were supposed to be doing in their worship and that we've come into a family and when we stop thinking about me and we think only about the we the us that's when worship will run the way God wants it to that we use what few hours we have I mean when you think about the 163 hours in one week can we spend two three or four hours together and can we just be spiritual in that time and can we just draw near to God for that time and can we just try for a minute to just tell all those fleshly desires to just be quiet and you'll get to them in an hour and let's zero in on the things of God. That was what the issue was there. And when Jesus on that last night took that time and said, remember me, May there be a little bit of reverence and a little bit of awe and a little bit of appreciation of the time that we take to draw near to God and to remember that great sacrifice. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the offering of your son. Thank you for the memorial. Thank you for giving us an opportunity every week to gather together as your children to be your family and to be able to really focus on you. Lord, we don't think about you enough. We don't gather in your name enough. We don't act on your cause enough. But Lord, thank you for carving out this day, your Lord's day to remember your son. And Lord, I pray that you forgive us for the times that we have made the Lord's Supper and made our worship a common physical thing and have not truly moved our hearts into the spiritual realm and drawn ourselves closer to you. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that we can do this every week. And Lord, I pray that we would think about one another and all that we do in our worship. May we always be struck that we are the family of God and you have made us your body and that we would love and care for one another and think about one another in that way rather than ourselves. Forgive us for our selfish thinking and help us to live as the body of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing an invitation song. We invite you to come to Jesus. We didn't even talk about the unworthy manner. Are you interested? Come back tonight at 6.30. We... Can do that together. Love to see you here for that. Can we help you in any way come to Jesus today? Turn away from your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. We would love to help you start your spiritual walk with Him. Can we help you do that? Won't you come down while we stand and while we sing?